0: Welcome back to our podcast. This is episode two. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be going through pages 39 to 49. So if you haven't read uh, that part of the book yet, you can pause the video now, read that, then come back to us. But we're going to be dealing with the house of the interpreter. At the end of this podcast, by the way, due to some, uh, some feedback we got, we're going to tell you what we'll be going over during the next episode so you can read up to that amount. So uh, good input and feedback, and please keep it coming. We want to improve every episode. So the, the big motif tonight is the house of the interpreter. And starting on page 39, you remember we, we left Christian at a bit of a transition last week. And the passage tonight starts, uh, Then he went on till he came at the house of the interpreter, where he knocked over and over. And at last one came to the door and asked who was there. And so this starts the scene and we have here the, the first of several parables tonight. There are gonna be a lot of parables tonight and Wade is our resident expert at parable interpretation. So we're gonna let him just, you know, completely lay these out for us so we can understand them. And so Wade, let's talk about the first parable here.
1: Well, quick word about the importance of the house of the interpreter. So last week we saw that Christian went through the narrow gate, which symbolized his salvation, leaving the city of destruction. He began his journey to the city beautiful, which is heaven. And so the remainder of the book is this journey uh, between his conversion uh, of following Christ and his, um, his entrance into heaven. And so that's where it becomes very helpful for you and for me as Christ followers. To learn from this journey, because he um, Bunyan wants to show Christians the the dangers, the toils, the snare's uh, on on those journeys. Um, and so, the first place he comes to uh, after the narrow gate is the uh, the house of the interpreter. And the point of the house is he's going to show him some things. Uh, the The is going to show him some things. They're going to be critical. For his journey, things he needs to know to stay on the right path as he uh, marches on towards heaven.
0: Right, and as we get through these these parables tonight, or these episodes of of Christians seeing different, facets, I call them allegories.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we're going to notice some things different about perhaps how John Bunyan would describe the Christian faith and how we would uh, describe it in our setting today, and we'll we'll talk about those when we get to them more, but if you read this and you start to have questions, it's working because what is being described here is a view of the Christian life that's fraught with peril and difficulty. And in our comfortable setting in, you know, 21st century Christendom, uh, a lot of these threats, we don't see them as threats like John Bunyan did. Mm -hmm. So let's get to the first one. And it's uh, as he walks into the house, um, he comes to a private room and he sees this painting. And uh, Christian at the bottom of page 40 says, What meaneth this? Uh, you want to talk about that painting real quick?
1: Yeah, so first of all, the interpreter is, is going to be taking uh, Christian from room to room. The interpreter represents the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus talks about the role of the Holy Spirit in John 14, John 16, the role the Holy Spirit is to lead us deeper into the things of God, to understanding the things of God, to be our comforter, our guide. And so in this uh, part of the book, the interpreter is helping him to understand the things right. of God, to prepare him um, for his uh, journey. And this first um, allegory is a is a painting. Uh, it's described there uh, on page 40. Um um, as uh, the picture of a very grave person hung up on the wall, uh, it, it had eyes lifted up to heaven. The best of books in its hand. The law of truth was written upon its lips. The world was behind its back. It stood as if it pleaded with men, and a crown of gold did hang over its head. Now, this is the this is the first kind of warning that the interpreter has for Christian. He wants him to understand as he journeys towards heaven. There are going to be people, uh, different people. Um, that take on the role of teacher, right? And he wanted him to understand that not every teacher was a reliable teacher. Right. And this picture um, symbolizes or pictures a a minister of the gospel, a faithful minister of the gospel. He has the Bible in his hand, the world at his back. He's earnest for the souls of men, and so he's a, a man of the book. He's a man who is not worldly. He's a man who cares about the souls of those that he is shepherding. And so this picture is meant to say to um, Christian, make sure that you allow the right people to speak into your life.
0: Right. In the middle of page 41, he says, Now I've shown you the this picture first, because the man whose picture this is, is the only man whom the Lord of that place whether thou art going hath authorized to be thy guide in all difficult places thou mayest meet within the way wherefore take good heed to what i've shown thee and bear well on thy mind what thou hast seen so he's to recall the image of this man and use it as a blueprint i like that you use the word allegory for these rather than what i said earlier parable because you know a parable in scripture has one point the an allegory has uh, many similarities between itself and real life and mm. these Allegories, like you said, they do have several details that we're supposed to link back to the real world. You mentioned one, you know, just the idea of this guy pleading with sinners and his back to the world. All of these details are important points that the interpreter is telling Christian look for these things when somebody talks to you. Because, like you said, there might be somebody trying to get you a certain way and they don't have those characteristics. Mm. Ignore them.
1: Right. And, and, you know, I've, I think I mentioned in earlier podcasts how meaningful this book is to me. I read it um, yearly, and this section is really personal because I'm a minister of the gospel. You're yeah. a minister of the gospel.
0: Do uh, you have a grave
1: look? Uh, I don't. I, my my looks not grave enough. But I want to be the kind of pastor that has the book in my hand. Yeah. That uh, has the world in my back, and I, I like what it says there about him. It says. Uh, it stood as if it pleaded with men. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's pleading for the souls of men and a crown on his head, which speaks of the, the reward God has for those that are faithful um, messengers. And so um, that, that first that first uh, um, allegory is just is personally uh, very moving to yeah. me.
0: Well, the second allegory that, that comes in this passage is of the dusty parlor. At the bottom of page 41, after showing him the painting, mm-hmm. Then he took him by the hand and led him into a very large parlor that was full of dust because never swept. The which, after he had reviewed it a little while, the interpreter called for a man to sweep. Now, when he began to sweep, the dust began so abundantly to fly about that Christian had almost therewith been choked. (laughs) It's like dusty room. Cleaning a teenager's room. Right. Then said the interpreter to a damsel that stood by, bring hither water and sprinkle the room. When she had done, it was swept and cleansed with pleasure. Right. All right. So Christian says, "What means this?" Wade, "What means this?"
1: Great question. So the dusty parlor uh, interpreter goes on to explain. Represents the heart of man mm-hmm. And the the dust speaks of the the corruption this The sin in our hearts Right, And so he's looking at this dusty room So how do you deal with a dusty room? Well, some people say the way you deal with a corrupt heart A heart full of sin is by just doing better To try to achieve Or being strict Yeah, you know, being strict Try to control it Try to, um, try to be more righteous Try to uh, follow external rules to a greater degree and um, and he's saying here that that just uh, that just doesn't work. Um, he, you know, the, the trying to do better, trying to work your way out of out of a sinful, uh, impure heart, um, doesn't work. And when the damsel comes in and she sprinkles water, that pictures the gospel. Right. That that our heart is made clean and pure. Um, by the finished work of christ
0: so this is basically
1: romans six right yeah exactly yeah so
0: when the commandment comes against your heart paul said you know sin springs to life Mm -hmm. that the commandment itself did not have the power to restrain the sinful inclinations of the human heart right like the spirit does Mm -hmm. and so this is basically the first half of this allegory is romans six you are strict with sin you make new rules for it and it rises up against it it aggravates it that uh, says Christians almost choke now what's the water then
1: the water is the gospel the water is a picture of the gospel which makes us clean it's again it's the finished work of Christ that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of humanity he took sin upon himself he took the wrath of God in our place he died on the cross rose from the grave and because of his finished work if we receive his uh, atoning sacrifice By faith, our hearts are made clean. They are washed clean. He deals with the impurity.
0: There's a Bunyan quote. This isn't planned, so Mm. we may have to edit this out if I butcher it. Right. But uh, you can help me remember it. It's, um, It's, get up and fly the law demands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Or to up and run, the law demands, but gives neither feet nor hands. Is that Luther? Not so with the gospel cry; it bids, uh, it gives us wings and bids us fly. I thought it was Bunyan.
1: Uh, maybe I don't know. That's good. We'll good, figure good it quote. out. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and so the, the whole purpose of the dusty parlor is you can't clean up your own heart. You need the gospel. Right. Um, and it's interesting. He'd already become a follower of Christ here, which we'll play. This will play into next week as well, but. Uh, followers of Christ need to remember the gospel. Right. The gospel is not just a message that gets you into heaven. It is a message that you need to keep in mind um, your entire journey because of the, the implications of it.
0: Right. Well, now the interpreter, interpreter marches him along to the third of these allegories, these scenes that he views. And it says, I saw moreover in my dream, this is in page 43, that the interpreter took him by the hand and had him into a little room where is that two little children each one in his chair. The name of the eldest was Passion, and the name of the other, Patience. Passion seemed to be much discontented, but Patience was very quiet.
1: Yeah, this is really kind of funny. Two, it, the picture is two kids, Passion and Patience, and Passion is petulant. He uh, he wants what he wants. He wants stuff now, you know, and Patience is willing to wait, um, for the better thing. Right. Um. He's ready. To, he's he's he's, uh, showing delayed gratification. I don't have to have what I. The bright, shiny object right now. I'm willing to wait for something that is better, which is a pic- picture of uh, 2 Corinthians 4, the temporal eternal discussion. Mm-hmm. He wants them to understand: as you are journeying on your way to heaven, you're going to you're going to get distracted by the things of this world, Right. and uh, you're going to want the things of this world. And he's saying, uh, in effect, be like patience. Shun the things of this world in order to obtain a better prize. Right, and when that's you get the point.
0: Page 44. Mm-hmm. Christian, now I see that patience has the best wisdom and that upon and that upon many accounts because he stays for the best things and also because he will have the glory of his when the other has nothing but rags. An interpreter adds, nay, you may add another to wit. The glory of the next world will never wear out. Yeah. But these are suddenly gone.
1: Right, and Christians comes to the conclusion, then I perceive it is not uh, best to uh, covet things that are now but to wait for things to come. You right. know, our reward in heaven... Uh, is far greater than anything this world has to offer, and so if the things of this world hinder you from being faithful, you're being like passion.
0: And it's the whole point of Hebrews 11, right? Because mm-hmm. faith it looks forward to the things promised, right. even if it has not tasted them in this life. Like right. the people in the hall of faith, yeah. it looks forward and knows that God will reward them who wait for Him. Yeah,
1: it's a really it's a really convicting. It's funny, but it's convicting. These two kids, you know, yeah. you want to be like
0: passion? You want to be like patience? So, yeah. Well um and then after that on page 45 after passion and patience there's the fire of grace my favorite part. you said this is your favorite so I'm let part. you talk you, I love you talk this about part fire of grace yeah and so he
1: takes him um, into a place where a fire is burning against a wall to me I, I picture a fireplace uh, in a in, you know in an inset on a wall I picture like a barbecue grill. Yeah, I'm, I'm more fireplace. Okay. But uh, nice. yeah, fireplace. And he sees uh, there's one standing beside the fireplace, casting much water on it, trying to uh, put it out to quench it, it says. And yet the fire keeps burning higher and higher. And so that's the picture he sees. And Christian asks the, the question, what means this? What What is the right. meaning of this, this person trying to put out this fire? And yet the fire does not uh, go out. And so interpreter, the Holy Spirit at the bottom of page 45 says, um, uh, well, well, he takes him behind the wall first. Uh, and, and he says, well, the person trying to put out the fire is the devil trying to put out the fire of, of Christian zeal. Right. Then he takes him behind the wall, and there's a man with oil feeding oil to the fire to keep it burning. And that's when Christians, says, well, what is this? You know, and I, I love Interpreter's answer. The, the, the person behind the wall feeding the oil into the fire— this is christ who continually with the oil of his grace maintains the work already begun in the heart by the means of which notwithstanding what the devil can do the souls of his people prove gracious still and so i love this this imagery of the devil trying to put out our fire right put out our zeal put out our passion but christ is greater
0: well the imagery there is so rich this is what's so cool about allegory uh, what is the guy behind the wall throwing on the fire? Mm-hmm. What does he have in his hand? Oil. And picture you, the Holy Spirit. What do you not do? Yeah, picture the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But what are you told to never throw on a grease fire? Yeah. Water. Yeah. So it's like this. The, the devil doesn't even know how to put out that fire. Right. He, in fact, what he's doing is making it flare up even worse. Because, you know, that's the old thing. If you throw water on a grease fire, it's going to make it worse. Right. And so what the devil means for our harm mm-hmm because of the nature of Christ feeding the fire, actually becomes our good. Yeah. And that's one of those rich little details in the allegory that you may not pick up at first, but when it says oil, you know, my brain first went, you know, there's no way he's putting this fire out.
1: And there's a and there's even a bigger issue here I think that that Bunyan is getting at. You know, Philippians one six says that when he begins a good work in you, he will complete yep. it. And so the picture here is of someone that's if you're if you're truly converted Though Satan may try, right, he cannot put out your fire because Jesus is faithful. And 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 the hiddenness of Jesus—he's behind the wall. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've read some different uh, views on this. Speaks of the mystery. Yeah, of, we
0: don't always see. But after it's over, where, you know, yeah. this this was meant for my ruin, and He made it for my good.
1: And Jesus carried me through. Jesus kept the fire yeah. burning. Is it, this is this this ministry of Christ is best seen in the rearview mirror. If you look back over your life and say. Boy, the devil wanted me. The devil wanted to destroy me, or you know, cause me to walk away. And yet, Christ was faithfully pouring oil on my fire, sustaining me, right. preserving me, uh, that I might endure that time in my life. So it's really a it's really a powerful picture. I can picture.
0: see why it's your favorite.
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah.
0: Now we get to uh, the second to last one for tonight. and That's the palace. We
1: are flying. By I know. The way.
0: We're we're doing much better on time than last that's time. That's
1: right. Concise. Yeah. Okay.
0: Daniel thinks we're not doing as well
1: all right all right our okay. palace all right this is a this is a weird part honestly and what makes the palace of kingdom weird is because you have to understand the historical background and understand exactly what Bunyan was going through uh, here um, but he approaches this uh, this palace and uh, he says um, um, at the doorway of this palace stood many men in armor to keep it, being resolved to do the men that would enter what hurt and mischief they could. Now was Christian somewhat in amaze. At last when every man started back for fear of the armed men, Christian saw a man of very stout countenance come up to the man that sat there to write, saying, Set down my name, sir, the which 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 when he had done he saw the man draw his sword, put a helmet upon his head, rush toward the door upon the armed men, who laid upon him with deadly force, but the man at all not at all discouraged, Felt a cutting and hacking most fiercely. So after he had received and given many wounds to those that attempted to keep him out, he cut his way through them all and pressed forward into the palace. At which there was a pleasant voice heard from those that were within, even of those that walked upon the top of the palace, saying, "Come in, come in! in Eternal glory, thou shalt!" Uh, when I believe, the palace of the kingdom is a picture of the church. Right. And um, in in Bunyan's time, you had the state church, the Church of England. And the state actually made it illegal to have church outside of the, right. the boundaries of the... Yeah, if
0: you didn't the, have the right license, you were put out, mm-hmm. uh, if you were an ordained member of clergy, mm-hmm. you weren't supported with taxes, you could be put in prison as Bunyan was... That's why he was in jail. Yeah,
1: I mean... He was a non-conformist Baptist pastor. You weren't... It wasn't legal to be a Baptist in this time in England, um, but he, he was practicing his faith according to the dictates of his conscience, believing he was being biblical... And in that day and time it's, it's funny there's a guy here uh, writing down names. Yeah. Uh, they would, you know, they would record names uh, and and single out the nonconformists and they would use government authority and Well, that know,
0: was the condition for him. They said you can get out of jail anytime you want just stop preaching and he said right. I can't do that.
1: Right. It's interesting this is the only allegory not explained. Uh, uh, when he when he sees it it says the man went in was clothed with such garments as they then Christians smiled and said I think verily I know the meaning of this Yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't explain it so it, basically this is John Bunyan saying this is what it's like to be a nonconformist in well, it, it, England in the 1600s and
0: it reminds me of that verse the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by, by force, force. Right. Yeah.
1: right so the guy so the, the man that fights his way in is a faithful follower of Christ right. that's saying even if I have to Go through consequences. I want to be a part of the true church, right? And uh, so it, it's really a, a powerful picture. And you know, if there's ever a time, you know, if if someone watching this is living in a place in the world and it becomes illegal to follow Christ, or it becomes uh, culturally um, unpopular to follow Christ right. in the way that we believe the Bible tells us to, uh, you know, we we would resonate more with this passage. Yeah,
0: I mean, and just coming off the. the the backside now of the GIC calendar. We've heard recently stories about people going through this every year. We see people who have lived this and, you know, you you get around someone who has been through something like this and there's a, they, they resonate when they talk about the gospel because it's not just, you know, this took away my guilt. This took away my shame. It's uh, you know, in, in, a, in a way, they, they say, I've borne on my body the marks of Christ mm. to serve him through this and to preach it and to be faithful to it. Yeah. it it's a different type of witness.
1: Yeah. So if you understand the, the cultural, historical background here, it, this passage is, makes sense and is powerful. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now uh, we get to despair. Christian says at the bottom page 47, Now let me go hence. And the interpreter keeps him, and he's ready to run right. in the palace. He's like, I want to put on the helmet and fight these guys. Right. But the, the interpreter says, Nay, stay until I have shown thee a little more, and after that thou shalt go thy way. So he took him by the hand again and led him into a very dark room where there sat a man in an iron cage.
1: Yeah, this part is pretty scary, and there's actually two more allegories in the house of Interpreter, interpreter. We're just going to talk about one tonight. We'll talk about the next one, uh, next uh, podcast. Uh, but, um, Christian begins to have a conversation with this man in the cage to figure out what this represents. And the man says, and this is key. He says, I was once a fair and flourishing professor, a professor of Christ, a professed faith in Christ. Not like a
0: teacher, but he says, you know, I was an active Christian.
1: Well, like in the Baptist world, we use the phrase, um, John made a profession of faith. Yeah. Um, And so I was once a fair and flourishing professor, both in my own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I was once, as I thought, fair for the celestial city, headed to heaven and had even joy at the thoughts that I should get thither. And so the man is saying, there was a time where, you know, if you would ask me, I would say, I'm a Christian. I'm a professor. I, I, I profess faith in Christ. Everybody looked at me, thought I was a Christian. I thought I was heading to heaven. Um, and Christian asks the obvious question, well, you're in a cage now. <laughs> yeah. He says, What about, uh, but what art thou now? And the man says, I am a man of despair. So the cage pictures despair. I'm shut up in it, as in the iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, now I cannot. And Christian asks another logical question, Well, how did you come into this condition? And the man says, I left off to watch and be sober. I had the reins upon the neck of my lust. I sinned against the light of the word. I laid the reins upon the neck of my lust. I sinned against the light of the Word and the goodness of God. I've grieved the Spirit, and He has gone. I've tempted the devil. He has come to me. I provoke God to anger, and He has left me. I'm so hardened by heart that I cannot repent. So basically, he turned his back to Jesus and followed the, the things of this world. Right. And this brings up a really interesting discussion. Yeah, I
0: want to pick your brain on this because it's so foreign to how we would think, oh, I made a confession of faith. I was baptized. My name's on the church roll. Everything's good. Once saved, always saved. Never going to worry about anything again.
1: Yeah. So when I was growing up, uh, if someone was doubting their salvation, they would go talk to the pastor, the youth minister. And the, the answer I remember hearing or, you know, um, hearing others say was, well, if you're doubting your salvation, tell me about tell me about your conversion mm-hmm. and you know someone would say something well when i was eight years old i um i prayed a prayer with my pastor and i was you know that's when i was saved and and the 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 feedback from the the spiritual leader would be, well, if you pray that prayer you're fine yeah if you pray that prayer you're in don't don't doubt like don't doubt yep and that idea of assurance of salvation is not in the bible in fact i heard um I heard Adrian Rogers one time, one of my heroes, he, he used this picture and it made so much sense. He said, if you want to know if someone is alive, don't check their birth certificate, check their vital signs. Right,
0: check their pulse. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and so for years, uh, in in I believe in Baptist life, the way we talked about assurance of salvation is, tell me about your birth certificate, mm-hmm. tell me about your birth certificate, tell me about your birth certificate. The Bible says, Second uh, Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Right. To see is there any vital, are there any, are there any vital signs in my life that indicate that I'm a follower of Christ. So, so people ask the question, well, so and so, you know, they made a profession of faith, they were professors, they were baptized, right. they sound like they were doing great, and they f- fell away. And people struggle because they say, once you're saved, you're always saved. And what I would say to that is, um, it's not that someone who is truly saved. Uh, falls away from the faith is that a person that falls away was never truly said right
0: and now John Bunyan being a Puritan they had three Latin words they used to describe faith and mm-hmm. the first one was ascensia, which is where we get the idea of ascent but it actually in Latin can mean applause mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of like this when you know when somebody's at a, a football game or something and someone's standing up yelling at someone else and the cops come out and carry him away and everyone claps and applauses. Mm-hmm. Now, none of the people watching that guy had the courage to get up and cart them away when they were making a fuss. Mm-hmm. But they all applause. Mm-hmm. They all they right. all clap when the security does that. Mm-hmm. And that is one it aspect. It's like a
1: game of, in Gainesville.
0: Right. You had to go there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But nobody who uh, who was watching this scene mm-hmm. would have done anything about it. Mm-hmm. And what the Puritans say is that be careful that your faith isn't like that. Where you just kind of applaud, yeah, that, that's awesome you died on the cross for my sins. Mm-hmm. I, too, value me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm That's one that, aspect you know. of
1: faith, but not... But it's yeah. not
0: all the way. Right. Mm-hmm. The second part is, because um, the a census notitia. Noticia.
1: Noticia. Yeah. So
0: that's where you have the facts right. And so someone might say, I know that Jesus died on the cross under Pontius Pilate. Um, into the tomb and rose on the third day. I have all the facts right. I can I can label it properly. I can quote the verses, and we would say, well, that's that's good. But that's also like a person who can just read a weather report, but will not go outside and see if it's true. Mm-hmm. And so that's the second part of faith but it's also not far enough Mm -hmm. and the third part was the fiducia right and that's where we get the word fide or fidelity and it's trust but it's an experiential trust Mm -hmm. it's where you actually will test a person and say all right you say you can do this you know uh, it's like the guy who was walking across the Niagara Falls on a rope and with a wheelbarrow with a sack of potatoes in it. And he turns to the crowd and says, now, who of you in, on the on the shore will get in the wheelbarrow and let me push you across? And nobody would. Nobody had fiducia. Right. They had a census and noticia. They knew he could do it, right. they applauded for him. Right. And so the Puritans will say that third level is what completes those three aspects of faith. So we, we read this guy in the cage and we think, well he believed once and then he stopped believing and that's not what Bunyan would have thought. Right? Like he said, the word professor. He thought, yeah, I was a good Christian, but whenever I stopped fighting my lust, whenever I stopped following Christ, all of a sudden my sins got on me I sinned against God, and now my heart's so resistant, I will not repent. Right. This man in this cage is not kept there unwillingly. Right. He's kept there deceptively by his own sins, but because he has chosen to follow them, not Christ.
1: And he's in despair. Right. And so, just to be clear, so the man in the cage, I believe, represents not someone that was saved and lost their salvation right if someone is truly converted the three levels of faith um you know someone is trusting christ as their personal lord and savior um there's eternal security they'll never lose that they're in christ's hands and no we can stash them out of christ's hands um but if someone walks away from jesus or walks away from the faith it wasn't that they were saved and lost their salvation it was that they were never saved in the first place right. and the fruit that they are bearing the worldly fruit is proof that they are not truly converted
0: right and on page 49 interpreter says let this man's misery be remembered by thee and be an everlasting caution to thee christian responds back well this is fearful god help me to watch and be sober and to pray that i may shun the cause of this man's misery and now he's ready to go on his way
1: yeah and i think that's Second corinthians 13 examine yourself senior is to see if you're in the faith
0: well good discussion Mm -hmm. we are going to pause here for the day now next time we get together um, it's pages forty nine through page fifty six. The cross and the tomb. Yes, sir. So if you want to read ahead, go ahead and do that, and we will be ready to discuss awesome. That. The,
1: the next the next passage is, is
0: really really powerful. Is it also your favorite? It yes. Okay. Everyone is Wade's favorite. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it, and put uh, put some notes in the comments of what you thought, what you took away from this. Uh, chapter. And if we can do anything to improve it, we'd love to hear about that too. Thank you very much. Have a good day.